Jesus. So we're going to start off this morning with a little imaginative exercise. So I'd like to ask you to close your eyes for a moment and try to imagine. Imagine a one dollar bill. Okay, now try to imagine ten one dollar bills. All right, now we're going to up the level. One hundred one dollar bills. Okay, now try to imagine, this is going to be tough, one trillion one dollar bills. Do you got it? So I highly doubt any of us, even the most imaginative, are really imagining one trillion one dollar bills right now. Because it turns out, spread out like on the ground like a carpet, a trillion dollar bills would cover the entire state of Delaware twice. And that laid out end to end, they could reach from here to the sun. I looked this up on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> but let's, let's try, try one, another one more exercise, but this time with time. Imagine, imagine how long an hour takes. All right, now imagine how long a day, a day takes. Now, how about a year, a whole year? Now try to imagine how long a million years takes. Don't worry, the homily won't take that long. But what's my point? Well, I think it can be easy to imagine small things, but we struggle to wrap our minds around huge things. And often in the scriptures, we hear God calling us to eternal life with him in heaven. But can we even wrap our mind around what that means? I think we struggle to be motivated by the promise of eternal life because we can't even comprehend it. Because of this, we forget what we've been invited into, that we've been invited into something infinitely glorious, that we hear God calling us but we so often forget, we struggle to keep it in front of our sight that this heaven that we're promised would be so good. We forget what that means, that we are invited to be with God for eternity. Because God made us to know him, to love him, to serve him, and to one day be happy with him forever in heaven. Forever. For an eternity. We can't even imagine how long an eternity is. But Jesus, he knows this about us. He made us, after all. And that's why Jesus gives us parables, where to teach us a big thing, he gives us a small thing. Something to teach us something beyond our understanding, he shows us something that we can understand. And so in the gospel today, to teach us about eternity and what heaven will be like, he tells us about a king who gave a wedding feast. And we hear in the reading from Isaiah just how glorious this wedding feast will be. That there will be rich food and choice wine. And not just that, but that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That God will even destroy death. This is what the Lord has in store for us in heaven. But this parable also has a stern warning. That this invitation into eternal happiness is an invitation that we are free to reject. That we have been created with free will. 
that we've been given the gift of freedom. And this is one of the greatest gifts that we've been given by God. Without freedom, we would not be able to love. But with freedom, we are free to reject the invitation. That we are even free to reject love himself. In the parable, we see this rejection in three different ways. First, there are those who ignore the invitation because they want to spend their time doing other things. I think if we examine our own hearts and our own lives, we can see ways in which we choose other things over God. And sometimes we don't mean to do this, but we find ourselves choosing sin, choosing sin over God. And, and why? Why do we struggle like this? Well, I think it's because we can imagine $10 bills, but not a trillion. We can imagine one hour or one day, but not an eternity. And so we choose the immediate over the eternal. We settle for the temporary and the passing rather than the permanent, rather than what will last forever. We suffer from short-sightedness. We suffer from the short-sightedness of sin, that we only see what is right in front of us. And at the moment, sin often looks like a really good idea, like it'll meet our needs, like it'll be what we actually want. But in the end, it leaves us empty. And then often what is good, what is lasting, what is true, like time spent with the Lord in prayer, time spent building real community and really loving another person, those often don't feel like they immediately are what we want to do. I think this goes along closely with the second way that we see in the parable, that there are those who reject the messengers, those who, those who reject those who are sent to give them the invitation. In our own lives, we are being invited constantly by people and situations that God puts in our lives. We're being invited constantly to love. I think we can think of moments maybe that we had the choice. Do I sit down and veg out in front of the TV or do I play with my kids? Do I keep scrolling through social media or do I ask my spouse about their day? Do I binge another show on Netflix or do I call that friend that I know is having a hard time? Do I keep my headphones on in my own little world or do I talk to that coworker? Do I allow myself, my plan, to be interrupted by the seeming inconvenience of loving another person? There are these invitations all around us. But once again, we have that short-sightedness. And third, we can reject the invitation by not letting the invitation change us. The end of this passage, this gospel passage, can seem odd. The man who doesn't have the wedding garment, he gets kicked out of the feast. What is going on here? Well, he was probably wearing a sports jersey. I'm, ju I'm just kidding. Uh, so he heard about the feast. He heard about the feast and he wanted to come, but he wanted to come on his own terms. See, it's a brilliant parable because notice everyone is invited. Everybody. It's a free gift. There is no one unworthy of receiving an invitation to the feast. And it's the same way with heaven. Everyone is invited. There is no one unworthy of being invited into eternal life with God in heaven. But we don't get to come on our own terms. We don't get to make the rules. We come in on his terms. And what did Jesus pass on to us through his apostles? When, when Peter, 
on the day of Pentecost was asked by those who had heard the gospel, what must we do? He responded, repent. Repent and be baptized. In your own baptism, though you might not remember it, the deacon or priest said these words. He said, you have become a new creation and have clothed yourself in Christ. May this white garment be a sign to you of your Christian dignity. With your family and friends to help you by word and example, bring it unstained into eternal life. So we've received the wedding garment, but now will we let the grace of our baptism transform us? Will we, through the grace and renewal offered in the sacraments, bring that wedding garment unstained to the great wedding feast in heaven? Are we willing to humbly approach, particularly the sacrament of confession, to have that garment washed free of the stain of sin? That man, without the garment, he had not repented. He had not humbled himself to be renewed and washed clean by Christ. And so there was no room for him at the banquet. We don't get to come on our own terms. Many are called, many are invited, but few are chosen. And yes, this grates against our have-it-my-way culture. It grates against our desire to be in control. But this is the great responsibility of having freedom. What will we do with it? Will we try to have it our way? Or will we strive to daily conform our will to God's will? Will we trust our Heavenly Father, the one who breathed the stars, the one who created everything, the one who sent his Son to free us from sin? Do we trust that he will provide for us? that we can do all things through him, that his ways and his plans will really bring us the greatest joy. Our Father desires that we would dwell with him in heaven, in pure, abundant joy. That is the heart of our Father for us. All right, take one more second, one more time imagining. Close your eyes and try to imagine heaven. Try to imagine heaven. It's hard to do, right? Uh, like imagining a trillion dollars or a million years. But take one more second and think about a few of the happiest moments in your own life. A few of your happiest memories. The times where you felt the most joy and peace and love. Think about those moments. Those moments... Those moments are the, the $10 bills. They're the one day. The things that we are able to comprehend that are just a taste of what is to come. They're the ways that God shows us his heart for us, his loving care, his plan for our good, the ways that he shows us what kind of father he is. We should give God praise and gratitude for those moments in each day and know that God has eternal life for us that will surpass even the best moments here. They're just a taste of what heaven will be. And we should let them increase our hunger for what God has in store. The other place we taste heaven is right here at the Mass. When God comes down on this altar, where we receive the richest food, the choicest wine, the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray 
invite you to pray as you receive our Lord today, to let, to ask for a deeper longing for heaven, a deeper desire to be with God in heaven, and to pray for the eyes to see past our short-sightedness, to pray that we and those we love would respond wholeheartedly to this invitation to enter into the eternal wedding banquet. 